I'll go start the coffee. I'll be down in a minute. Scooby dooby dooby doo wop. Pastor and Laura wake up. Good morning. Time to get started on our daily Bible study. Uh, the Colanders here, Pastor Colander and Laura Colander. We're going to start today with Acts chapter 3. Peter heals the crippled beggar. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those who were going to the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, Look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped up to his feet and began to walk. Then he went he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. What are your thoughts on that? Mm -hmm. Just a cool story. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's exciting. Mm-hmm. I um, don't know. Is there anywhere else where the gate called Beautiful is mentioned? Not that I know of. This is a, a cool name for a gate. And there's a number of, I think there's four temple gates, you know, one on the north, south, east, and west of the temple. But mm -hmm. I think it's neat, though, that all of Jesus' disciples, not neat, but significant that they had no powers to heal people too and drive out demons and mm -hmm. do different things like that and I mean they didn't have newspapers or social media or anything like that so in order to have people trust that your message was true mm -hmm. and people should listen to you especially when you're walking into the temple and saying hey you know the Old yeah. Testament scripture have been fulfilled you have to do some signs and wonders to verify that. but And he's like, you know, the story of the ten lepers, how when some of those men get healed, their first instinct is to run and find their families and do all the things they haven't done in a long time. Um, only one takes priority to go thank Jesus. This guy, in the same way, he first thing he does is jump and praise God and he walks into the temple with the disciples he doesn't get up and go tell his friends look what happened to me he doesn't go try to find any family or you know whatever he just goes straight into the temple that's the first thing he does so that's pretty yeah cool it wasn't just that the it seems at least that the, it wasn't just that gate was his spot because he knew a lot of charitable people would be walking by there and might give him some money. But, you know, that he had faith and that he worshiped God. And mm -hmm. yeah, that was his reaction. I want to praise God because of this. 
Um, and the God of the temple, you know, not Peter, but Jesus. Yeah. All right. Peter speaks to the onlookers. Going on with Acts verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 11. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man, who you see and know, was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Christ would suffer. Repent, then, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. Indeed, all the prophets from Samuel on, as many as have spoken, have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, Through your offspring all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. What's on your mind in that section? Hmm. Just the... I mean, it's a summary and explanation. And then there's forgiveness, too. Mm -hmm. You know, like, this is what you did. This is who you did it to. But this, it had to be this way. That's the was God's plan. You were acting in ignorance as part of the plan. Now ask for forgiveness and believe in the truth. And um, you'll be saved. And kind of looking ahead at chapter 4, says Peter and John before the Sanhedrin. So it sounds like maybe some people are not going to be receptive to that message, but um, I don't want to work too far ahead. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens tomorrow. But I wonder how many people were like, oh, yeah, we we were wrong and, and this is power. But then at the same time, if people had seen and heard all the miracles of Jesus and they still killed him, why would one more miracle that Peter did be the tipping point, you know? So mm -hmm. be interesting to see how this group of people in the temple on this day... Uh, receives this call to repentance 
So I suppose we'll find that out tomorrow. Do you have any... Uh... Yeah, a co- well, a couple things kind of struck me. One, um, like I've, I've always looked at this section as kind of the boldness of Peter and John of, you know, calling people out and just how strong of a law he talks. You know, there's no beating around the bush. and I mean, he does say you acted out of ignorance. And the one thing I would kind of push back on what you said from is, um, I guess, just how we think about God's plan. You know, you said this was God's plan that it happened. It wasn't God's plan that the people were ignorant. You know, like he didn't want them to be ignorant. He just knew that they would be ignorant. Like he didn't make the people not believe. You know, the people rejected Christ and he knew that. Which, I don't know, it's just something that, you know, it's it's one of those things with foreknowledge that you kind of got to... Yeah, it's a whole... Whole it's a whole hour-long podcast. I know, I know. We won't talk about that. It's hard to get into. No, but then the other thing is that... Um, At this hour in the morning. That the message, <laughs> right, and then going into the temple with the same leaders in charge, you know, the same authorities in charge, which you said we're going to talk about the Sanhedrin. And these are the people that did all that. And, you know, Peter, who ran away when his servant girl accused him of knowing Jesus is now standing up and calling out the leaders in the temple to the people. So just this transformation that he's gone through, um, you know, being strengthened by the Holy Spirit through Pentecost and everything to uh, be able to share his faith so boldly when he wasn't able to do that so recently. So, you know, Do you think just, that is just the gift of the Holy Spirit made him brave or he's personally gotten stronger and realized maybe through talking even with Jesus in those last days you know that he doesn't you shouldn't be afraid and he should just this is more important than your life oh definitely because I mean with any kind of success you know he thought he could do it And then he completely failed with, you know, the Jesus being taken away. Arrested. Yeah, he thought he was strong enough that he could go to death. And then he failed. And then afterwards, you know, Jesus finds him and talks to him and, you know, has that feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my lambs type thing. And, you know, gives him the strength and that he's still his servant. And then the, the reassurance that... Even if you die, I mean, Jesus was raised from the dead. So really, what does he have to fear? So I think his, his faith of the Holy Spirit is strengthened, and then the experiences that he has had, the failures that he has had, that God has brought him through, um, you know, just kind of from a, you know, I'm kind of spinning my wheels, but experiential standpoint, mm-hmm. you know, he, he now realizes how strong and how powerful and how much of a leader he is mm-hmm. because he was called by Christ. He was told to feed the sheep, feed the lambs and what he has seen and heard. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's what I got on that section. Yeah. Well, and I have, before we uh, close today, I just had a thought about yesterday. I was thinking about in chapter 2, 
how it ended with the people devoting themselves to the teaching, um, selling all their possessions, and continuing to meet together in the temple courts. And I don't know if you have any insight on this, because I didn't talk to you about this. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think I was looking at it through the lens of our culture today, where people make plans and they're very rigid with their time. And if you say I'm going to, you know, a wedding, I'm leaving this day, I'm coming back, you know, it would be pretty unheard of to just call, you know, your family and say, never mind, I'm staying for a week or, you know, I'm going to this festival for four days and then later say, never mind, I'm just selling all my stuff and staying here. Like in today's culture, that would be, you know, unheard of because people are so stuck on their schedules and time is is different here in America, how we view it. And I know in some other cultures, um, and especially long ago, they didn't have the quick travel we had. If you were going to go to Jerusalem for this festival, I mean, you didn't have to ask off work. You know, you just went to do these things. It was an accepted part of your culture. And so maybe it wasn't as shocking to extend your stay for some time or to, you know, stay in a, a town other than you lived in. And I was thinking about, you know, how when Mary and Joseph traveled down to Bethlehem for the census, they have Jesus, and then they they stay in Bethlehem for a little while. They're not, they don't just sign a paper and then walk back to Nazareth, you know? So things are, things are totally different there at this time, and I haven't spent as much time studying the, the culture of the day and travel, you know, whatever customs so i don't know if you had any more thoughts on that that was on my mind yesterday well they also go to egypt you know mary and joseph and then they come back i think that i i, I don't know exactly you know how their economy worked and times and schedules but obviously they didn't have watches so it was this is what i'm doing today or these are the things i'm doing in the morning or the afternoon if you're meeting up um but there are a few parables, you know, that talk about a master going on a long journey and all of the servants not knowing when he's going to come back yeah. and just, you know, stay and watch. And mm-hmm. those are all about, usually about the end times of being alert and being on guard and keeping your life in order, prepared for the Lord to return. Um, but yeah, I mean... It, there was a storm at sea, you know, your boat, you were traveling to, or Paul is traveling to Rome and gets shipwrecked, or uh, this boat gets wintered because there's too many storms. I mean, it's just long-distance travel was a completely different thing. Yeah. And I think people more often than not kind of stayed near their hometown that was kind of the, the Jewish way that you stayed in your family's land that had been parceled out to you according to your tribes. Uh, but the long journeys, I don't know enough about their mail system or their communication and things like that, but it's something interesting to think about. Yeah, like 
Well, even what you just said about going to Egypt, I never, you know, really thought about that. You know, they had this baby. They stay in Bethlehem for some time. Did they go to Nazareth before they went to Egypt or they went straight Mm -hmm. to Egypt? So they go straight to Egypt and, you know, Joseph and Mary, their parents, are in Nazareth. Haven't met their grandchild, (laughs) their first grandchild. Do they get news that they've run off to Egypt and how long they stay there? And are people worried about them or, you know, it's just kind of Joseph and Mary's parents, their parents, you know, what if they're worried about their newlywed children? They would have probably been in Bethlehem too. Oh, that's true. Because they would have gone for the census. So they maybe knew about what was going on and the, you know, the order to kill the babies. But But they might have gone back. And then Joseph and Mary stayed because they had to do all the uh, temple temple rituals. I mean, Mary yeah. would have been unclean for 33 days. And there, after they signed in, did the census, worshipped at the temple, they might have gone home. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just interesting to think about how kind of fluid time is and, you know, not forgiving. I mean, we, like I said, I don't know the economy, but, yeah, Joseph was a carpenter. Right, in so anywhere he, would, anywhere he would have gone, though, he, he could, would have had the skills, too. He could too. do some work, right. But your base of people who know you, your customers... Mm-hmm. I don't know, it's just funny to think about just being... Just leaving your hometown for two years and not having communication and whatnot, and then just reappearing back in your town after, you know, just so much stuff the Bible doesn't tell us. Obviously, it's not important to our salvation, but... Uh, it'd be interesting to read more about Jewish culture at that time. Yeah, and it's... I think a lot, when I read the Bible, a lot of times I kind of put, you know, the biblical people kind of on this blank page, and I only focus in on what they're doing at that time, and I don't really contextualize, you know, everything behind it. Yeah. And, you know, to just, yeah, think about them walking to Egypt with a newborn baby carrying gold frankincense and myrrh you know and being afraid okay are there robbers going to take a, you know all of this from us what are we going to do and yeah. um, Joseph's coming back and it seems that he wants to live by Jerusalem and then an angel tells him oh no go up to Nazareth I mean it's yeah it's just really weird because even as you're saying that too I still have this like anxiety about time like you know, how long are we going to be in Egypt? How When do we go back? Like, how many days are you going to stay here? You know, if they check into an inn or rent a hotel, or do they put up their own little huts, and where do they find the land and the city? You know, like, all these logistics that, because, you know, we're American and we've grown up this way, it's like whenever you plan something, the first thing is, like, the time. When are you leaving? When are you coming back, you know? Mm-hmm. Every you have to be back in time for school or work or this or that, and um, you know those don't seem to bother them. Or <laughs> the people in the new church who are like, "No, oh, I'll stay here. This is this will be good. We can worship together every day." Like you know, that's not a concern that we have. We have to leave right now. Oh, sorry, you know, they just go. Okay, we'll stay. And that works for some of them, and, you know, it's kind of 
interesting to think about that it wasn't, I mean, it is probably still a big sacrifice or change for them to stay and sell all their possessions, but it's not um, as odd as maybe it would be these days for someone to, to stay in a town after a festival. I don't know. Just something, something to think about. Yeah. It's not important. Just, just on my mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, tomorrow we'll be talking about chapter four and uh, what happens to Peter and, and the rest of them after this encounter. Alrighty. Have we'll a good day. See you later. <laughs>